about. So my desire is to try to help you to become a soul winner. Now, in order to do that, you um, have to have a concern for the loss. And throughout these sermons, I've tried to stipulate and point out the thing that I think the biggest problem is uh, motivation. And I think uh, most people are so busy with their lives that they're not motivated uh, to even think about lost souls. So I want to ask you this morning, how many of you in this room have surrendered their lives to full-time service for the Lord? Raise your hand. Okay, that's the problem. Uh, everyone in this room should have surrendered their life into full-time service. In modern-day Christendom, we've allocated the full-time service to the preacher, and we expect him to be a full-time service for the Lord. But that's not the biblical model from the New Testament. Everyone that was born again and a follower of Jesus was in full-time service from that moment on. Now, I don't want you to think that those apostles and those disciples did not have uh, vocations because they did. After the resurrection of Jesus, Peter said, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going fishing. That was his trade. He was a commercial fisherman. Some people will tell you that when Peter came and followed Jesus for that three and a half years, that he didn't fish. I don't believe that. I believe they all still had their vocations. After the resurrection and they were scattered and eventually all martyred, they all had vocations. The apostle Paul was a tent maker. Now, what did that mean? Um, They did live in tents. They were Bedouin people in that area and stuff. But probably what that means is, is that Paul was a beautiful uh, crafter of the Jewish uh, Tanakh, the prayer shawl with the tallits at the bottom tied in special knots and special colors and very ornate and beautiful. So when Paul says that he was a maker of tents, That is a word that was used for that prayer shawl of the Jews. But my point is, in several places, he mentioned that he still had that craft. So, today, people don't think about being in full-time service for the Lord, and they use that excuse, well, I have to work for a living And that's a wrong way of thinking. For example, I've always said this, um, but it's been two or three days ago, and I forget quickly, as you know. And I've said this before, but it's been two or three days ago, and I forget quickly, as you know. (laughs) Uh, I said this in the past two or three days ago, but I forget quickly, as you know. If you wake up on a Sunday morning 
and your stool stopped up, who do you need most, a preacher or a plumber? And, of course, the answer is a plumber. But what God intends you to have is a plumber in full-time service for the Lord. You know, um, I fought that drain in the sink back there in the kitchen for a long time. And I tried many different things. And um, I finally figured out that my call is to preach and not plumb. But actually, I didn't have the tools. And uh, finally, that one day, I just broke down and I called my buddy and uh, rode a rooter and he came out in 10 minutes. He is done. But he's in full-time service. He loves God with all of his heart. I don't know if you know Denzel, but he's a great guy. Maybe you cut hair. I was hoping my sister's here, but I guess she's backslid. My sister has brought more people to this church than uh, you know most people. Uh, we've had them drive from Owasa, Harmony, all over because when you're in her chair and she's got sharp scissors, you're kind of at her mercy. And uh, she also has many of her clients that watch the services online. Um, me and Peggy went to one of them's house one day just to visit her because she is so faithful to watch. But she can't drive anymore. And just getting to her appointment once a week to have her hair done is, is a chore. So what I want to encourage you today is, so many times I have people, they say, well, I wasn't called to preach. Quit waiting on the call and volunteer. And then other people tell me, well, I'm afraid I'll mess it up. Listen, if God called you to win souls, in Oshaleta, and you didn't get it straight, and you started winning souls in Barsville, he is not going to be upset. So the deal is, if I can help you change your mindset, that you need to be in full-time service for the Lord, no matter what you do, that God has allowed you to make your living. So, I want to talk about four calls today that every born-again person has. Number one, there's a call from within. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 18. Acts 4.18 And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, you judge that. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now, I don't want to upset anyone but I want to speak plainly this morning they could not help themselves they had to tell everybody they seen or come into contact with what they had seen and heard 
every born again person in this house that is born of God's seed and filled with God's Spirit should have a call from within, a desire to share what they have seen and heard. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Can you be born again and filled with God's Spirit without that unction or call to share what you've seen and heard? I don't know. I worry about people that claim to be saved or born again, yet they never share what they've seen and heard. I think the problem is, possibly, they've never seen God do anything. And they've never heard Him speak to them at all. Let me tell you something. That's rocky ground. I worry about you. If you think that you're saved, but you don't have that call from within. If you can live your life as an undercover believer, I worry about your salvation. Now, can you? Can you be born again and not share what you've seen and heard? I don't know. Let me tell you what happened to me. It was the summer of my junior year going into my senior year. Back then at False Creek, they would allow special high school students if you were going into your senior year and your preacher would vouch for you, they would let you uh, what they used to call work at the altar. And so when the altar call was given, um, you went up to the altar and if people came, you helped them. They gave you a little packet and you helped them pray to receive Christ. Well, I'd never done that with anyone before. I had watched a lot of people come to Christ, but I'd never actually been actively involved in it. Well, Monday night at False Creek, they historically don't give an altar call, which I always thought was terrible. One time I was there years later, and they had a speaker there named Tony. Um, I can't remember his last name. He was a powerful speaker. And uh, on Monday night, he got off his notes and begin in an anointed just preaching. And he said this. He said, they told me not to give an altar call tonight. And I thought, I knew there was devils. I knew there was. He said, but I feel it so powerful. I hope they'll forgive me. I thought, man, you're, you're at False Creek. He said, I'm going to give an altar call. I can't tell you how many hundreds of kids gave their heart to Christ that night because of His obedience. So back to my story. I, the altar call was given on a Tuesday night and I got assigned two junior high boys. I can't tell you their names, but I could draw you their faces. And I helped them with the little Romans Road pamphlet and they prayed the prayer and I prayed with them and they got up to go back to their group and uh, fireworks went off in my heart. 
I had never experienced anything like it. It was more powerful emotionally for me than my salvation experience. Now, it wasn't spiritually more important, but when I got saved, I didn't know anything except uh, I didn't want to go to hell. But by this time, some five years later, I, I had some little knowledge of what heaven would be like and what hell would be like and, and, and the value of a soul. And I, and I had learned enough to know that if those boys meant that prayer, God had just used me to take two human beings and change their eternity. And I was overcome with the fact that God used me. And, I, and I've told that story before a while back two or three different times, but I forget easily, as you know. That moment changed my life. From that moment on, it's, it's like a drug. So I believe this with all my heart, that the devil's counterfeit is like meth. I've heard meth addicts say, you're always trying to get back to that first high. And I don't know if you've ever had an experience with God, but if you've ever had an experience and you were in the presence of God, you always spend your life wanting to get back into that place. Some of you that's been in the presence of God, you know what I'm talking about. So I walked back to the dorm. I, I got up in my bunk and I couldn't go to sleep. And I tried to understand what had just happened. I didn't really understand it fully. I wasn't old enough. But I knew that I wanted God to use me in that way again and again and again. And I made a commitment to God that morning, that night, that from then on, I would share what I had seen and what I had heard with anyone and everyone that would listen in the hopes that that testimony and witness would cause them to believe. There's a call from within. If you do not have that overwhelming call from within to share your testimony with a lost person, I worry about your salvation. Can you be born of God, seed and filled with His Holy Spirit, and not want to tell the lost about Jesus? I don't know. But I know I can't. You just read that verse where Peter said basically the same thing. We cannot not testify to what we've seen and what we've heard. I've been high on mountains 
spiritually. I've been uh, on a spiritual high and I wanted to tell people about Jesus. I've been in low places, low valleys, in the pits of hell, and I wanted to tell people about Jesus. I'll be honest with you. For a long time, uh, most of you were here, I did not want to live. I surely did not want to get up here and try to put a coherent thought together. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I forced myself. Why? Because the call from within was more powerful than any other thing in my life. So you put aside the situation you're in or you put aside what easily besets you and if you're uh, answering the call to full-time service, it's full-time. There's a call from within. Number two, there's a call from without. Look at Acts 16, 9, and 10. Acts 16, 9, and 10. Uh, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Help us what? Share the gospel. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go unto Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now there's a call from within. That's a personal call for you to share what personally Christ has done in your life. But there's also a beckoning call from without for the people that you entertain during the day that you have a good idea they're lost. If you as a born again, spirit filled person encounter a person that is lost, there is a overwhelming beckoning call to you to share your faith. You can't get around it. Now you can close your eyes or you can be predisposed or you can be too busy. And I understand all that. But there's still a call from without. Because you understand there are people that are lost. Me and Peggy and the Burnses have a neighbor. I worked with him for probably four years as a young man right out of high school. He did not want anything to do with Jesus Christ. I shared Jesus with him over and over and over again. Now, if you was to ask him, he would tell you he believed in Jesus, but probably didn't deserve to go to heaven. I always told him, well, I don't either. Won't you just come on with me? We'll stand over in the undeserving corner. 
But he didn't want to hear about Jesus. He's in the journey home today. You see, 35 years ago, as a young man, I knew he was lost. There was a call for me to share my faith with him because he's lost. I know he's lost. And if he dies, he'll go to hell. Well, he didn't die for another 35 years, but the call was still there. And he's a great guy. He's a good guy. But is he lost? All last night I thought, maybe I could have said it better. Maybe I could have lived a more life, uh, a greater life in front of Him that would have drawn Him to Christ. Because unless a miracle has happened, you understand He's lost. Do you understand what that means? There's a call from within. There's a call from without. When you see the lost and you understand they're going to hell, if someone doesn't tell them about Jesus. Now why doesn't Jesus stick His face through the clouds and say, Hey everybody, I'm Jesus. I do not know. Why did Jesus leave the responsibility to us? It looks like to me, He could have come up with a better plan than me. But the Bible says you're saved by faith through grace. It's the grace of God that He would allow any of us to be saved. But you got to have faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If He sticks His face through the clouds, you have no faith. All doubt is dismissed. And what He wants and desires is a heaven full of people that believed on Him through faith. He told His disciples, good for you, good for you, you believed on Me. But I've been standing here in front of you more blessed are those to come that will believe on me and not have ever seen me. Well, then what's his plan? I think his plan is when you come to Christ and you're born of God's seed and you're filled with his Holy Spirit, you answer that call from within. You don't squish it. You answer, I've got to tell people of what I've seen and heard. And then you recognize the call from without. You have a broken heart for the lost. Can you uh, be born again and filled with God's Spirit and not answer the call from without? I don't know. but I can't. Let me tell you a story about an episode in my life. I've tried to think of a story for each one of these points. 
I got an opportunity to preach at First Baptist Barnstall, and I didn't get very many opportunities to preach. And I, I really, really, really took it serious back then because I knew, I, I knew without a doubt most of the deacons were lost. And I figured about half the congregation was lost. So for me, I thought, what a great opportunity to give an evangelistic meeting, uh, preaching, and see people come to Christ. So I shared what was my greatest sermon at that time, uh, an appeal to the lost. And there wasn't a dry eye in the place. And Rusty and Belisa may have been sitting there. I can't remember. And the power of God was just thick. And I gave the, the altar call nothing. Now, this is a tough crowd. Bars all first. Get it right. Spell it right. One time I was given an altar call, and several people were coming down the aisle to give their heart to Christ. And the head of deacons, I seen him. I zeroed in on him. He sat right there where Scott sits. I mean, not there, but in Barnesdale first in that big old church. And his grandson was about 12 or 13. He was sitting by him. And I watched as people are coming to the, the altar to give their heart to Christ. And through weeping, wet tears, I watched this head of deacons dig out a bunch of earwax on some keys and stick it in his uh, grandson's nose. And in the midst of all these emotions, I wanted to walk back there and choke him to death. Because his grandson was fixed the whole time that I was preaching. Eyes to eyes. His grandson was in the balance. But I, on this morning, I preached this sermon and, uh, and God anointed it and nothing and so I questioned my call. I thought maybe I don't know, maybe I don't need to do this. This is too uh, humiliating and whatever. And I drove home with my family and I walked in my house and I went in my bedroom and I slammed the door and I threw my Bible against the wall. Now, when Sherman Jacobs is throwing his Bible against the wall, things aren't good. I got down on my knees, my face in my bed, and I said, I don't know what you want me to do. I tried to say everything that I felt like you wanted me to say. I could feel your anointing. I don't know what to do. God said to me, how do you think I feel? He said that to me several times since. I was just weeping into the quilt. And I heard a knock on the door. Well, I didn't care who it was. And then my oldest son knocked on my door and he said, Hey, Dad, uh, Patrick McCarty. Remember him? Patrick McCarty's here. He would like to speak to you. I said, I don't care. Patrick McCarty can, you know. 
So I got up and I tried to dry my eyes and I went to the front door and I opened the front door and there's little Patrick McCarty with tears running down his face. I said, what's wrong, Pat? He said, I wanted to walk that aisle this morning, but I just couldn't. He said, I've been raised Catholic my whole life. And this morning, I, I felt something I've never felt before. And I was just so confused. But I don't know what to do. What can I do? I said, sit down here, Pat. I had some furniture on my front porch. And I sat there in the next few minutes and I led Patrick McCarty to the Lord. If you're born again and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you should have a call from within to share your story. And then there's a call from without because if the Holy Spirit's within you, the Holy Spirit longs to see the lost saved. There's a call from without. There are lost people all around you. And this campaign is, who cares? Don't tell me how much you care when you don't share your faith with people that you know are lost. You don't care. He drove off a new man. And the fireworks went off in my heart again. There's a call from within. There's a call from without. And there's a call from above. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Watch this verse. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I've had people for years ask me, do the people in heaven know what's happening on the earth? I always take them to this verse. Of course they know. They see everything. And there's a great cloud of witnesses. Who's in this group of witnesses that are cheering you on? That are calling you to share your faith? It's a call from above. Well, of course, it's Jesus, the apostles, the saints, the Old Testament saints. But closer to home, it's your loved ones. Your loved ones that have went on before you. Maybe it's your praying grandma that prayed for you. Maybe, maybe it's her prayers that are one of the reasons why you're here. She's cheering you on. Now today, I want you to take just a second and think, what would they say to you if they had 30 seconds to leave heaven and stand in front of you? What would they say? Would they congratulate you on all your wealth? 
What did they tell you? Keep up the good work, little buddy. What would be the overwhelming conversation about? I think you know. What is the foremost thing that they're talking about in heaven? Let me tell you something. There's a verse that says that God wipes away all tears. That is after the great white throne judgment. Do you know there are tears in heaven? Do you know God weeps in heaven? Why would people weep in heaven? One, because of their lost opportunities. When they regret, when they think about what such great salvation they received, and then the opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to share that, and they did not do it. The regret would be insurmountable. God would have to wipe it away. You have a great cloud of witnesses. They're all cheering you on. They're all crying out to you. They would beg you at the top of their holy lungs to strike a match to your hopes and dreams and sell out your lives to Jesus Christ. They would cry with everything within them and beg you to tell the world around you that it's real. We claim to believe it, but we most of the time don't act like it. Number one, there's a call from within and there's a call from without. And there's a call from above. Some of you have a long heritage of a Christian family. You've got many people up there cheering for you. Some of us don't have that blessing. But the Bible says that Jesus prays. He's the intercessor that prays for each one of us every day. There's a call from within, there's a call from without, and there's a call from above. And we would be derelict in our duty if we didn't mention the call from below. There's a conversation recorded in Luke chapter 16. As far as I know, it's the only conversation of anyone in hell recorded in the whole Bible. It's the only one I know of. I want to read it to you real fast. Luke chapter 16. This is my last point, so you're almost, you're halfway to Memphis, okay? There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died 
and was carried by the angels unto Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. This man died, and still all he can think about is himself. Maybe that's why he's in hell. Abraham said, son, remember? Well, this guy had a memory. Remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented? And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from your side. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Now he's worried about his family. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have the Old Testament. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And I got news for you this morning. One did rise from the dead. There's a call from below. The call from below is don't come here. There are no unbelievers in hell. They all believe. And they all would testify. If they could, they would scream to the top of their lungs, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you, can you not answer the call from within or the call from without or the call from above, or the call from below, and be born of God's seed and filled with His Spirit? I don't know. If you was to get me down here on the floor and twist my arm up above my back, I'd say, I don't think so. Let me tell you one last story and I'll let you go. I had this overwhelming desire to see anyone and everyone 
that I had the availability to come to Jesus. I've not changed that. I used to go visit my parents. My mom was raised Church of Christ. Something happened when she was young. Her dad was an elder there and something happened. She never really knew. And they quit going to church and so from then on she didn't ever go to church. But her dad had taught her the Church of Christ doctrine. So we never went to church. We never, you know, we heard about Jesus. We celebrated Christmas and Easter's and we hunted eggs and we, we uh, you know, whatever. And I'm not trying to, I'm glad my sister's not here. Um, I'm not saying my mom was a bad person at all. But when I got saved, I was worried for her salvation. And so I began to talk to her about her salvation and uh, she said, well, she had been baptized. Of course, that's Church of Christ doctrine. I said, well, I'm not talking about whether you've been baptized or not. She said, well, you can't be saved and go to heaven unless you're baptized in the Church of Christ church. I said, well, do you think I'm not going to heaven? Well, I don't know. You know, she is confused. And I said, well, let's, you know, let's look at the Scripture or whatever. She didn't want to look at the Scripture. And so then every time I would come over there, she would bait me. And I finally figured it out. She would start up an argument. And then when I began to argue with her, she had become the victim. And it took me quite a while to figure it out. And so... Many times I would leave her house just weeping and bawling for her soul. So I finally decided I am not arguing with her about uh, salvation or Christianity ever again. And so the next time we went to her house, here she goes picking up her things. I just, you're probably right. Past the biscuits. Infuriated her. She wound up moving to Skytook. My sister and my brother-in-law drive 67 miles one way to get here on Sunday morning when they're not backslid like today. And one, the path they take is through Skytook. And they would ask my mother every Sunday if she wanted a ride to come here. This church was flourishing and going and everything. Ah, she, she always had an excuse. She was an expert in excuses. My mother-in-law babysitted my two boys their whole life. Now, we always paid her. We're not mooches. We didn't mooch. We paid her more than the going rate because it was worth more to me to have her come to my house. I could go to work. I didn't have to worry about getting them up and getting them ready and taking them some blessings. I blessed her. just loved her. She thought she was going to bless us and she's going to start doing her laundry. She turned all of my white stuff, even my really expensive polo shirts, she turned them all pink one time. And I told her, hey, you know, uh, we don't need that blessing anymore. But she loved those boys. She had to have her gallbladder taken out one time. 
we had three weeks notice. I called my mother, who lived in Skytook. I said, can you watch the boys for about five days? She said, well, when is it? This is God's truth. She said, when is it? I said, it's on this date. It's three weeks out. She said, I think I'm going to be sick then. That's exactly what she said. I said, you know what? You probably will be. Her loss. Time after time, I would have this conversation with her. She seemingly didn't care. One time she would say she thought she was going to heaven. Most of the time she'd say, I don't know. Nobody can know. If my good outweighs my bad. Stuff like that. One time I left her house. And I was broken. And I was weeping and I was praying. And if God ever spoke to me, He spoke to me this day. He said, Sherman, if you can't win your mama, win somebody else's mama. She came to this church one time on Mother's Day. I took her to lunch and she said, I would have thought I'd have got some big gift for being your mother. I said, well, Matoka is a little different church. We don't reward people for being fertile. Now the question I want to give to you, do you think my mama's in heaven or hell? Can you be born again? Filled with God's Spirit? And not care about anyone else but yourself? And trust in your baptism to save you? I don't know. But I don't think so. I just tell you that story to make it real. There's a call from below. And every person that is doomed to an eternity in hell would beg you, strike a match to anything in your life that would keep you from being in full-time service for the King. Stand to your feet. As Diana comes, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to take a moment and I want to give you an opportunity if you are lost. Let me tell you, there's a hell. There's a heaven to gain. You're still in this life. You can choose today to receive the free gift. We want to give you that opportunity. As Diana begins to play, I want you just to think. Is today the day that you'll make a commitment to full-time service? Does that mean i got to quit my job? Oh, no, 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 no. God's probably blessed you with that job. 
You just go there tomorrow as a different person with a different motive, with a different plan. Some of you have vocations that are perfect for evangelism. Your vocation in itself puts you in front of people after people after people after people. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for so, such a great a salvation. We ask you to forgive us where we have not answered the calls where we have put ourselves first and others last. Help us today to understand the urgency. The very quickness of our life will soon pass. Only those things done for Christ will last. I pray if there's anyone here who's lost, they would come this morning. Receive Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. We want to dismiss you. If you need prayer for any reason, come. If you're lost and you want to find Jesus this morning, come. If you need prayer for any reason, come. We'd love to pray with you. If you don't need prayer, you're dismissed. Hope to see you tonight at 5 and 6. Thank you so much.